Today, I'm beginning a brief series entitled Snapshots of Christmas. Snapshots of Christmas. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And I believe that. The right picture in the right context has the power to move an entire nation. Like, let me just show you a, a few examples that will probably be familiar to you. Here's one from the 90s. Who could forget this iconic picture of this inspirational standoff in Tiananmen Square in China as this lone young Chinese youth stood and faced down several tanks? It inspired the world at the time. And, and here's another one. Perhaps you recognize this one. This is from Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. It was a moment in time that inspired an entire nation to end so many evil, discriminatory practices. And I believe really moved us closer to a Bible idea that's found in the book of Galatians, that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free or male nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, this one. Here's one taken during World War II. It depicts the raising of the American flag over the small island of Iwo Jima. After five days, five weeks of intense battle, the Americans finally took the, the island. And this picture inspired an entire nation, not only for that time, but even down to our day. It, their courage inspires us. A picture, a snapshot, a moment in time can sometimes inspire multitudes for ages to come. So in this series of messages called Snapshots of Christmas, we're going to take a closer look at some of the moments in time that the Bible captures around those who are part of the Christmas story. And as we, we look at these snapshots, we're going to try to see something of the first Christmas the way that they saw it. Or at least in some small way, experience Christmas the way that they experienced it. And hopefully along the way, we'll experience something deeper of Christmas as well. So the title of today's message is A Snapshot of Mary. A Snapshot of Mary. And in this message, we're going to look at this snapshot, this moment of time in Mary's life that's found, that's captured for us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And, you know, sometimes I find that when we read the scriptures and, and even maybe when we read this portion of scripture, it's very easy to just read it kind of quick and kind of miss some of the things that are there. So this morning, I kind of want to just stop on this passage and take a little bit of a deeper look, kind of call your attention, if I can, to some of the details in this picture. And so as we're getting ready to do that, I encourage you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 1 or turn in your Bible app, or, or if you want to, just kind of close your eyes and listen as I read this entire passage of Scripture. And then we'll come back and unpack it together. Ready? Luke chapter 1, verses 25 to 38. And it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from, the, from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. All right, now, as we look at this snapshot of Mary, there are several things that I want you to see in this picture. Three things that I want you to see in this picture this morning. The first is found in verse 29. It says that Mary said, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, the first question that I have is, why would she be troubled at his words? I mean, it doesn't say that she was troubled by his appearance. It doesn't say that she was afraid of his appearance. Like so often in the scripture, an angel shows up and the person is terrified because of the appearance of this mighty angel. It doesn't say that. It says that she is troubled by his words. And not only that, it says that she was greatly troubled. So the angel shows up and says something, and it greatly troubles her. She was disturbed by what he said. So what did this angel Gabriel say at this point that was so disturbing? What would make her so troubled? Well, let's look at it. At this point, he hasn't said anything yet about the baby or giving birth or anything like that. In verse 28, the angel said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very troubling to me. I mean, if an angel showed up to me and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you, I'd be like, hey, that sounds pretty good. Right? Wouldn't you be? That sounds pretty good. Let's get on with the favor thing, right? Let, let, let's get on with the blessing thing. woo Let's have at it, right? But she hears these words, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you, and she is greatly troubled by them. Now, why would she be so greatly troubled by these words? What is it that she sees here that isn't really readily apparent that would be disturbing her so much? Now, I think it is this. Now, this isn't expressly said here, and if you disagree with me, that's okay. Again, God will settle it when we get to heaven. But I think that if Mary knew anything of the scriptures, and I think she probably did, she would have understood that any time an angel shows up in your life, your life is about to change radically, right? I mean, think about it for a minute. When uh, the angel showed up to Gideon and told him that he had the favor of God, uh, in a moment, Gideon went from a quiet farming life to leading a ragtag army of Israelites against a, an invading army that was better equipped and more experienced. Things changed. Even though God said, I'm with you, things changed forever in Gideon's life. And then think about Abraham when the angel showed up and said that he was blessed. Well, God was about to pour out fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah where Abraham's cousin Lot and his family lived. And all of a sudden, Abraham went from this quiet time with this nice visiting angel here to, to all of a sudden uh, 
Uh, he's pleading for the life of his family before God. And then think about Moses. God showed up in Moses' life. And in just an instant, Moses went from his quiet, shepherding little lifestyle where everything is neat and, and packed together to all of a sudden he's on his way to a confrontation with the most powerful ruler of his day. His life was changed forever. And I think Mary probably had some understanding of this. When an angel shows up, even if it's with a message of blessing, your life is about to be radically changed and altered. And Mary, think about it, she had a good thing going. She's engaged to be married. She's from a religious family. The guy that she's engaged to, he's a godly guy. He's a... Um, He's from a good family, and he's, uh, he's going to be a good provider. And, and she's been consumed with plans for her wedding. How many of you ladies know what it is to be consumed with plans for a wedding coming up, right? It's an exciting time. And uh, I know you don't want anything. Do not get in the way of a bride whose wedding is coming up next week, right? She's got all of these, this is what she's, what's on her mind. She, her wedding is coming up. She's got all her plans, and everything's falling into place. And now this angel shows up, you know, and I think that this means that, you know, all of her neat little plans are about to get messed with, and I think she understands that, and uh, something uh, happens when God shows up. And, uh, and it's not like God likes to just mess with our plans, right? It's not like he just likes to mess with you. I know some of you probably think, you know, I think God just likes to mess with me, right? Um, God doesn't like to mess with you. It's just that sometimes he has bigger plans for our lives than we do. He's got some great, awesome plans, and we're not always seeing them. And so when stuff begins to happen that interferes with our plans, it would be wise for us to, to step back and, and see if God has something bigger that we're not seeing. So this angel shows up and says that, he, that she's highly favored and it greatly troubles her, and it goes on to say that she wonders what type of of greeting this might be. She's wondering, what does this greeting mean for my life? I, I think she knows that her life is about to change in a big way. She seems to know immediately that this could mess with her wedding plans. It could complicate things. It could change the whole direction of her life. And what it tells me as I stop for a minute to just look at this snapshot of Mary is that Mary is a woman of great wisdom and spiritual insight. She sees the implications of God's message, message to her, and she kind of wrestles with it. Listen to it for a minute as it's expressed in this song as Joyce comes. Amen. Thank you, Joyce. That was beautiful. You know, Mary is a portrait of a young woman with great spiritual insight, and it should inspire us to be people of great spiritual insight. God, maybe give us the spiritual insight of Mary. Give us the kind of wisdom and understanding that Mary displays here. All right, now the second thing I want you to see in this snapshot of Mary is Mary's response in verse 34. Let's look at it together. Verse 34, Mary asked, How will this be since I am a virgin? Now, I think this is an awesome response. I mean, the angel had just told her a second time that she had found favor with God, that she would give birth to a son who would be great among his people and who would be called the Son of the Most High, and that he would sit on David's throne, that he would reign forever and ever, and this kingdom would never end. Basically, the angel had just told her 
that she would be the mother of the Messiah. Now, please understand that it would have been most every Israelite woman's dream to be the mother of the Messiah. The Messiah had been longed for by the people of Israel for centuries. They had yearned for the appearing of the Messiah for, for generations. It was built into their national DNA, their identity, to look for and expect the Messiah's coming. And now this mighty angel appears to Mary and says, Good news, Mary. You are going to be the mother of the Messiah. The Messiah is about to come, and you're going to be his mother. And at this point, you might expect Mary's response to be one of jubilation. I think the reaction of most young women, uh, most young Israelite women during that day, if they found out they were going to be the mother of Messiah, they would have been excited. It would have probably looked something like this. Like, oh my goodness, Me? I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah. Oh, nothing like this ever happens to me. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, my friends are never going to believe this. I've got to put this on Instagram. Hold on just a second. Um, um, oh, Gabriel, can we get a selfie? <laughs> Smile. <laughs> this is so cool. I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, maybe I'm being a little bit anachronistic with it, right? Just a little. But... We would not be surprised at all if Mary's response here was one of great joy and jubilation. But for some reason, you know, eventually it was, but for some reason right here, her initial response is kind of muted. Let's look at it. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? It's like she's saying, okay, you know, that all sounds great, but there's a problem with the idea of me giving birth. You see, I'm a virgin. And, of course, Mary is thinking about the birth of the Messiah the same way everybody else in her day would have been thinking about it, like the Messiah came um, as a result of the union of a man and a woman, a human man and woman. She doesn't really see at this point that God has a different plan. She just sees that there's a problem, and so comes the question, how can this be since I am a virgin? And she's saying, you know, I can't really reconcile what you are announcing as God's plan with my commitment to purity. How can this be? How can I become a mother and be a virgin at the same time? And I love how she states the problem. She just simply says, I'm a virgin. The angel should get it, right? The problem should be obvious. She just kind of states the problem and leaves it there. She doesn't offer a solution. She doesn't try to bargain. She doesn't try to compromise. The way it comes across to me is that she's just saying, you know, I'm a virgin. I'm going to be a virgin. That's not changing anytime soon. That's not changing before I get married. So how are we resolving this issue? And it's a natural question. You know, when we're presented with something that looks impossible in the natural, okay, it's normal for us to ask, how can this be? How many of you ever ask God, God, how in the world is this going to happen? Well, that's what Mary's doing here. God, how can this be? It's natural to struggle to make sense of things, to put things in some kind of order that's nice and neat and logical. She's struggling. How can this be? And yet at the same time, her question is also really a statement of faith. She just states the problem and then starts to listen again. How many times if we would just state the problem and then just stop and start to listen again or seek God in his word? sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, you know, it's easy to state the problem and just keep stating the problem and state the problem again. And God, yeah, I got this going on. God, I got that going on. And we don't really stop long enough 
to begin to hear what God is saying to us. You know, but if we would be like Mary and state the problem, God, there's this problem, I don't understand what's going on, now I'm going to stop and listen and see what you've got to say to me. See if you've got some wisdom for me. So Mary states the problem, and then she stops to listen. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Listen to it expressed in this song that Melody is going to sing for us. It's called Be Born in Me. Amen. Thank you, Melody. So Mary struggled with how the plan of God would affect her commitment to honor God. And, and what this snapshot of Mary tells me is that Mary is a virtuous woman. Her heart is given over to honoring God. She honors God with her life. She honors God with her behavior. Mary is a portrait of a person who is devoted to honoring God. And this is why she was highly favored. And of course, the angel Gabriel then helps her to understand a little bit. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The, the, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Here, he helps her to understand a little bit. Now, I don't think that she could understand everything and all that these words meant. But I think that at least she understood that she could still keep her purity. She understood that this plan did not involve dishonoring God in any way. She got enough faith to see that God was going to work everything out. And this leads us to our third idea. The third thing that I want you to see in this snapshot of Mary this morning is found in verse 38. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. She was disturbed at first. She knew her life would change, but she listened to God's plan. And then when she didn't understand God's plan, she expressed concern for her purity, but then she listened to God's plan some more. And now here, in this verse, we see her final response. Her final answer is this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm here to serve the Lord's purposes. I want my life to serve his purposes, even if it means putting my own plan on hold, even if it means that the simple life that I had planned is not going to materialize, even if it means that life is about to change in ways that I can't even imagine, even if it means that Joseph might not believe me and my plans might get all messed up, even if it means that others won't believe me and, and people will whisper behind my back and my reputation will be de destroyed, even if it means that some might talk of stoning me. I am the Lord's servant. And then she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. She's saying, you know, I don't understand everything that this word means. I may not understand all the implications of that word and how God's going to bring it all about. Nevertheless, your word to me be fulfilled. Your word be fulfilled in me. Think for a minute about all the stuff that Mary couldn't possibly have understood at that time. I mean, when the baby came, I don't think she could have known that when she kissed her baby's face, that she was kissing the face of God. 
When the angels sang glory to God in the highest, I don't think that she could have understood that this was a song that this baby had already heard many times before. When the shepherds came to worship the newborn king, I don't think that she could fully understand that this, this, this infant king was also the infinite Lord. I'm not sure exactly what she understood and what she didn't, but it says that she pondered these things in her heart like she was trying to understand everything. I'm not sure she could fully understand that this baby would one day walk on water, that he would heal a blind man with his hands, that he would calm the storm, and that this baby that she was delivering would one day deliver her. There's so much that she couldn't have understood. But what she did understand was that this was God's word to her. This was God's purpose in her life. And so she says, may your word be fulfilled in me. You know, there will probably be times in your life when you can't see how in the world God is going to fulfill some aspect of his word or some aspect of his plan in your life. You know, if you're going to follow God, there's going to be times when you have to walk by faith, when you just don't understand everything that's going on in your life. How many of you are like me, and you want to understand everything? All right? I do. How many of you would like for God to just send you an email? Right? Before stuff's going to happen, God would just say, here's what's going to happen, and here's A, B, C, D, and E, and how you're going to handle it. Right? Sometimes in life, you know, God doesn't send us an email ahead of time. But we walk by faith knowing that God is going to fulfill his word, his plan in us. God says this. He says to take courage. Um, for those of you who want to fulfill God's purposes in your life, for those of you who want God's purpose to be filled in your life, God says this in Romans 8.28. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you order your lives according to God's purpose, God promises that everything will eventually work out for your good. Say, that is an awesome deal. That's a deal that is too good to pass up. You know, I've often said that you know, when Jesus gave all of himself for me, and he got all of me in return, it was Jesus that got the raw end of that deal. I mean, for sure. I got the better end of that deal, a relationship with a God who says that I am going to work everything out for your good if you are called according to my purposes. That's awesome. And even though there may be times that I don't understand everything that's going on and how everything is going to work out, I know that God is working everything for my good. God has got my back. God has got your back. And so as we look back at our text, we see that just like us, Mary didn't understand how the purpose of God were going to be accomplished in her situation. So this is a snapshot of someone who trusts God in the unknown. A portrait of someone who trusts God when she doesn't know how everything is going to work out. Listen to it expressed in this last song as Larry comes to sing, Mary, did you know? Amen. So in this snapshot of Mary, we see a portrait of a young woman who is filled with great spiritual wisdom and insight. We see a portrait of a young 
virtuous woman who honors God and puts God's purposes first in her life, and a portrait of someone who has faith in the face of the unknown. Say, Mary is someone that we could all emulate. Mary is someone that we could all hold up as an example to follow. So as we get ready to conclude this morning, as the worship team comes back, I'm going to ask in just a moment if the when we stand, if the prayer team would come and make themselves available for prayer. And as we go to prayer this morning, you know, maybe you've got some things in your life that ju you just don't understand. Maybe you're in one of those seasons where, God, I just can't make any sense out of any of this. And you just want someone to agree with you in prayer. Or maybe God's challenged you in some way to put him first and you want to spend a little bit of time at the altar or you want someone to agree with you in prayer. Or maybe you just need some wisdom like Mary did and you want someone to agree with you in prayer. The prayer team is going to be here as we close. And I invite you to come and avail yourself. God said what? My house will be a house of prayer. Right? So I'm going to close in prayer. And after that, you'll be dismissed. If you can, though, kind of like go quietly, fellowship in the fellowship hall, and be kind of respectful of those who are having prayer over them at the altar. Can we do that? Would you all stand with me as we get ready to close in prayer?